Deuteronomy chapter 12. Great to see everyone here tonight. Hope you're doing okay and uh, hanging in there at our, uh, our special, um, you know, our special Elmira Baptist sauna that uh, we're just going to all enjoy. If you smell something, uh, if you smell something, it's probably you and the person next to you. So just, uh, so uh, don't judge too harshly before you sniff yourself. And um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, try that out. But um, you know, it is, uh, you ever heard the phrase, uh, you know, we complain about something, then we say, you know, first world problems. You ever heard that before? You know, uh, I remember hearing a missionary tell a story about um, some place in the Southeast Islands where there was, um, there was a man who came, uh, who came to a big conference where if you were a Christian in that area, you came to this conference. And uh, he came and he was a cripple. And of course, in that area, there's no such thing as a wheelchair. And he had, but he had a pointed stick. And he would and he would jam that thing in the ground and into the dirt and pull himself forward eight inches at a time, and uh, that's how he came to the conference. And um, you know, us and our need for air condition, first world problems. You know, and uh, it was it was it was a cool story how God called that man to preach and uh, sent him to uh, that guy with the who could only move eight inches at a time. Called him somewhere. It was really okay. Story time. So um, so just where uh, God had called him, he felt called to preach uh, amongst several other people. The missionary had been saying, "We got to send people. We got to get people sent over to uh, this land, over the mountains. Who will volunteer to go?" And uh, about twenty guys at that conference volunteered to the islanders to go and preach there. And they didn't. They could barely read, uh, but they they took what they had. They barely had the Bible in their language, but they knew the gospel and they'd take it and. The mountain, you're crippled. And, um, and so in the middle of the night, so that no one would stop him, he left. And uh, it took him 30 days to cross a mountain. And yeah, he almost died of exposure. And it was going into a place where there's a lot of cannibals. And um, uh, people were basically, if you were not of their village, they killed you. I should say it that way. And so he came in, and, the, and as soon as they saw him, they picked him up and treated him as an honored guest. His dialect was not much different from theirs, and so he was able to quickly learn the language, gave him the gospel, and all these people got saved. And he found out later why, that God prepared it, that they had a, um, there was a, uh, um, a time way back when the village was about to die from a disease, and uh, there was a crippled man out in the jungle, found some kind of odd berry or leaf or something. He ate it, and um, he got better from the disease. And so he brought it back in and said, check this out, this thing, whatever disease we have, this is curing it. Nobody knows what the plant was or whatever. And so everyone ate the plant, and, they, and the village got better. So they believed that cripples knew more than anybody else. They had special wisdom and knowledge. And so all the chiefs were cripples, all the elders were cripples. And, uh, and so... Um, Guess who was the only person in the world who could go over the mountain and be accepted? A cripple. And uh, he came back uh, the next year with 250 people uh, with him to the Christian conference and came in eight inches at a time, pulling in. And so, um, uh, so yeah, first world problems that we have here with our air conditioning. So um, uh, I know, hopefully, uh, hopefully I will do my best to help you pay attention and stay awake. Um, if there's, um, if there's a, I will just assume that if I see you kind of go like this, we'll assume that you're, that you're okay, your health is all right, you're not having a seizure. We'll just assume a fly's coming at your face and that's what's happening. Um, for, for you, uh, for you kids, just so that you know, I just want to give you a lesson. Someone taught me this. Um, listen, I, you know, flies annoy me. I don't know if they annoy you. And this may help you adults too. But someone taught me this. You know, you want to, you're trying to smack, because you don't want to get off the couch and get the fly swatter, right? And so how are you going to kill this thing that's right next to you? And we smack it and they fly away. And they said, take, take two hands. This is what you do. This was unusually effective. Take two hands, wherever the fly is, and go like this. 
because they're like a helicopter. They come up and then they go out. So if you come like this, they'll come up and they'll follow the air that way. But if you create a, you do this, the air comes up. So they naturally come up into your hands, dead fly. So that's, uh, that's your lesson for the week that you can take away and impress your parents and your friends. Husbands, you can impress your wives in the, uh, in the, in the coming days with this um, great knowledge that, but not, yeah, yeah, maybe wait on that until after we're done preaching. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to see someone back there like, oh, it's on his head, you know, and uh, try it. All right. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, let's do this. Let's go ahead and uh, let's pray. Let's ask God to open our eyes because I'll tell you what, tonight I think it's going to be exciting. I think it is something that you are going to learn. Uh, one of the things you will do tonight, I think you'll learn some things from your Bible. But I'm going to tell you what, when the, uh, as we, as we um, dig through really a, a lot of different passages in the Old Testament, eventually when, we, when it comes down to what does God expect from us, I'm going to tell you what, um, I think the Lord is going to be very simple plain and confrontational in our lives tonight and uh, i think we'll see that from the scriptures okay so let's uh let's pray and then we'll jump into it all right lord thank you so much for letting us be gathered uh, here tonight thank you for those who were able to make it i know some could not though they wanted to be here and uh, something came up that just prevented them lord for those who could have but just chose not to lord i pray that you would um, urge them in the coming days that they would be here that they might be encouraged that they might grow and that your name might be glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you have ever bought a used car in your life? Would you raise your hand? You ever bought a used car? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's really all I've ever bought. Never bought a brand new vehicle. Don't know what that's like. Um, but uh, I like paying cash for my vehicles. And so that means I got to get a used one. Okay. So, uh, so, so far uh, I've had all used vehicles. Now, sometimes you find a used vehicle, maybe it's, it's not all that old. And so, you know, there's not a whole lot that's really gone wrong with it. You ever, um, uh, maybe you've borrowed a car from someone. Maybe you've bought a car from uh, a used car from someone. And you ever heard this phrase? This always happens with used cars. They say this, it's a great car, except for, <laughs> right? Or you borrow a car from someone and they say, oh, listen, no, 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 no. You and your family will be fine. I know your car's in the shop for a week. You can borrow my car. It's a great car, except for, and you're just like, oh no. Cause anything could go in the except for column, right? And uh, you know, so, uh, sometimes it's like, well, it's a great car, except for, you know, the, the rear passenger window, uh, when it goes down, it doesn't go back up. So don't put it down, you know? And of course your kids put it down, you know, uh, what a blessing. And, um, so that might happen. Um, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's more serious. It's a great car. It just doesn't have air conditioning, right? Well, we just learned we're not supposed to complain about that. So, you know, so we'll be fine. No, maybe, you know, oh, it's a great car, except there's, uh, uh, there's no air conditioning. I mean, they, it gets weird, doesn't it? You know, it's a great car. It's just, uh, you know, um, between like, uh, just between uh, 41 and 48 miles an hour, if you're in fourth gear, don't use the left turn signal because the back axle falls off, you know? <laughs> Some people have the most complicated cars, and you're just like, why is why would that happen? And they say, just don't try it because it will. And um, can, I, can I tell you this? You ever heard this phrase? We can talk about, you know, it's a good car except for. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Oh, he's a good man except for. You ever heard that before? You ever heard that said about someone? Oh, she's a, she's a real good woman. <laughs> Except for. Would it be said of you? Could it be said of you? Oh man, he's a, he's a, he's a really good Christian. Just Except for. She's a real good Christian woman. Except for. Fill in the blank. You know, um, 
God takes an interest even in the except fours. And the except fours are important to the Lord as well. What we're going to do is what we're what we're going to do is we're going to look at, um, uh, of course, the nation of Israel, which is uh, the prime, which really is the prime uh, um, character in the in the story of the Old Testament. The um, uh, the nation of Israel went through a civil war. If you didn't know this, you can read this in the book of Kings and Chronicles. The nation of Israel went through a civil war, and at the end of it, it was between the north and the south. And after the end of the civil war, it was split, and then they stayed separate. The north kept the uh, kept the name of Israel. Southern kingdom took on the name of Judah. They had different kings in the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern king of Judah, kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom really, um, if, as you read through it, there really weren't any good kings that were there. There's some that seemed like they had, uh, they almost kind of got started doing something good, but every it seemed like every king for the northern kingdom just bottomed out and failed. Now, in the southern kingdom, one of the things that they had, um, and some uh, scholars differ, differ a little bit, just, just slightly on some of these, but of the 20 kings that were in Judah, um, there were as many as eight, I, bl- I believe it was eight, that were uh, described as righteous. They were described as godly men, uh, men who led the nation in, uh, in trusting in God and doing what's right. Do you know what I found? As I went through these kings of Judah, Okay, and the, the ones who be described as the good kings. How many of y'all have ever heard of the good kings of Judah? You ever heard that phrase before? You know, the good, there's the bad kings in Judah, there's the good kings. Do you know that as I went through and I looked through these kings of Judah, do you know what I found that the Bible did? The Bible said over and over about these good kings, it says basically that so-and-so was a godly man, he loved the Lord except for. And do you know something that I found? The except for was always the same thing. You know what it was? God judged, or, or I should say evaluated, these godly kings of Judah based on what they did with something called the high places. Do you know what the high places are? We're going to look at that here tonight. Number one, I want you to see the rise of the high places. Okay, so what are these? Um, what are these high places? Because you, uh, you know, I just referred to them. What are they? Well, they're described here in Deuteronomy chapter twelve. Now, what, like I said, we're going to be all over the Old Testament, but um, and sometimes I'll give you references. Sometimes I may not. Uh, but if you at least are centered here in Deuteronomy chapter twelve, this is where we'll start and end. Deuteronomy chapter twelve. And verse number one says, these are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land. Pause. Here's what's happening. In this section of Deuteronomy, of course, you have um, Deuteronomy is written very sh- a very short time before Israel is going to finally make it into the promised land. And in chapter 12 especially, this is the start of God really giving some, in, some very um, specific instructions on what do you do when you get into the promised land. So he says, uh, this is uh, what you shall observe to do in the land, which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. It says you shall utterly, notice this, he says you shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars and break their pillars and burn their groves with fire. Ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods and destroy the names of them out of that place." So what were these high places? Well, I can tell you several things from uh, what we read in Scripture and also from history. 
These high places, what they were was they were places of worship. They were where uh, false gods would be um, worshipped. They were located, as you would assume from a high place, it was located oftentimes uh, up somewhere in a, in a high mountain, maybe tucked away on some hill. Sometimes they were big, but oftentimes they were kind of some small uh, places. And uh, up there, if you were to ever come upon, in ancient times, if you were to ever come upon a, a high place, you would see several things. First, um, you would, of course, be up on top of a high mountain or hill. Secondly, you would see something in verse number three describes, says you're supposed to um, uh, burn the groves with fire. So if you were to come onto a high place, one of the first things you would notice is this thing called a grove. Now the word grove, now when I first read the word grove, of course in our English Bible, I assumed, you know, grove, like a grove of trees, like they would make, maybe, I thought, well maybe they make a garden, like there's some special gardens for the gods or something like that. That is not what the Hebrew word is here. The Hebrew word for grove is the word Asherah, um, the, I think it's the plural, that's Asherah, and it, what it referred to was a pole. We would think of it as if you were to come onto this high place, you would see what you might mistake at, mistakenly take for a, like a telephone pole. They would take these poles, and you know, oftentimes they were just a tree that they would shave down, cut all the branches off, and shave it as smooth as they could. They'd plant that thing on the ground, and it was called a grove. It was called an Asherah pole, and this pole really was to represent the female goddess of fertility by the name of Asherah. And if you were to if you were to walk around a little bit more, you'd probably see a stone pillar off to the side. That stone pillar was to represent the male deity. And so you would have the, the you would have the Asherah pole. You would have the uh, the stone off to the side. There probably would be some other idols that might be scattered around. And you'd probably find a couple buildings at this uh, at the high places as well. These high places were places of worship where people worshipped false gods. Um, it was a place where people sacrificed animals. Jeremiah 7 tells us, though, that some people even sacrificed their children on the, at the high places. It was a place where they would burn incense to their gods. Uh, it was a place where they would pray to their gods. It's a place where they would eat sacrificial meals. And uh, people who came there to worship would often be involved with male or female cultic prostitutes there at the high places. Most of these high places, by the way, most of these high places were dedicated to the god Baal. Okay, so a lot of them were dedicated to Baal. Molech and Chemosh were the kind of the runners up that were also worshipped at these high places. Can I tell you something about these high places? God hated the high places. You say, how do you know that? Key verse, Psalm 78, verse number 58, the, God, the Bible says, for they provoked God to anger with their high places. God says, he, he takes specific time to note it is specifically the high places God says that he particularly hates. And notice when he says, when you come into Canaan, what did he say in verse number three? He said, when you find these high places, what are you supposed to do with them? Verse three, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse three, he said, you shall overthrow their altars, break down their pillars. That's those stone, those stone uh, idols. He said, you shall hewed, uh, you shall burn the groves, those Asherah poles with fire. You shall, um, uh, you shall hew down the grave images of their gods and destroy the name of them out of that place. In other words, here's this. God did not want them to reorganize the high places. He didn't want them to repurpose the high places. He didn't want them to sanitize the high places. God wanted them to 
destroy the high places, it says, until the very names of them, then verse 3, until, and destroy the very names of them out of that place. So God said, I want you to wipe out the high places so thoroughly and so violently that the locals in another generation would forget the very name of the high place. Whoa, <laughs> that's some... That's pretty radical. God was pretty serious about, uh, about these high places. And one of the sad things was when the nation of Israel went through its civil war, the northern kingdom of Israel, Jeroboam just immediately, one of the first things the first king of Israel did was he built high places. And I'm going to tell you what, the nation of Israel just plummeted into idolatry and into wickedness and it just truly never recovered. Judah, however, um, at least they had some good kings, but they had some issues. Folks, do you know who the first king was, uh, from what I can tell, uh, was to set up a high place? Folks, it's really sad. It was Solomon. Notice at the end, towards the end of Solomon's life, in 1 Kings chapter 11, it says, For it came to pass when Solomon was old, it says that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the, uh, the abomination of the Ammonites. Then, it says, did Solomon build a high place for Chemosh and for Molech? And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods, and the Lord was angry with Solomon. How angry? Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done, what is done? Building the high places. As much as this has been done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee. Do you know why God let Israel go through a civil war and ripped it away? It was because Solomon built these high places. Hey, friends, have you got this yet? God hates the high places. And once the nation of Israel went through their civil war, the northern kingdom, oh, they just embraced the high places, did whatever they want. In the southern kingdom, there were plenty of kings that, that did embrace them. And, and as we'll see, actually, as we go through the kings of Judah, some of the kings of Judah rebuilt the high places. Uh, some of them just simply retained the high places that were already up. But only one king of Judah actually did what God asked and removed them. Because it was something God hated. Hey, so that's point number one, the rise of the high places. But before we get to point two, can I ask you a question? What do you have in your life that God says he hates? You say, well, Matt, um, I do a lot of good things for God. Glad you do. What do you, have in God's, uh, what do you have in your life that God says he hates? Because you know what God's about to do, and we're going to see this, is God's going to say, oh my goodness, this king, this king, this king. They were godly people, except for they wouldn't deal with the high places. Is that like you? That there's so much that you would do for God, so many ways that you please God, except for there's this one thing that you say, God, I'll do anything for you, but don't you dare get on me for this. Or don't you dare touch my whatever. Can I tell you what God wants? God wants the high place down too. He wants the high place down too. Because, you know, I look out and, you know, there's a lot of faithful, faithful Christians here. And I wonder if someone would write about you years after you have passed away, gone on to heaven. I wonder if someone would write about you and would say, you know, he was a good man. He was a godly man, except for there was this thing that he would always do. You know, she was a really godly woman. She loved the Lord, but 
there was this thing that she insists on having. What do you have in your life that God says he hates? seeing the rise of the high places. I want you to see the reign of the high places. This is sad. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of fly through a lot of these um, good kings of Judah. The Bible tells us, and you can read about them in First and Second Kings and Second Chronicles. The Bible tells us in, um, uh, the Bible tells us about uh, two of the first good kings of Judah were kings by the name of Asa and Jehoshaphat. Listen to what it says about Asa in First Kings 15. It says, Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Boy, I'd like it if God wrote that down about me it says but the high places were not removed about Jehoshaphat, 1 Kings 22, it says, And Jehoshaphat, after Asa had died, began to reign over Judah. He walked in the, all the ways of his father, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. Now, can I tell you some things that Asa and Jehoshaphat did? One thing they did was they, they got rid of um, homosexuality. Sodomy had become popular in, in Judah again. They removed it, even though it wasn't popular. They removed other idols. Asa had an idol-worshipping grandmother who was queen, and he removed her. That was not popular, but it was the right thing to do. Um, Jehoshaphat was the one who was able to make peace um, with Israel. And these, all these great things that Asa and Jehoshaphat did, God says, yeah, I appreciate it, he said, but you didn't take care of the high places. Now, one of the things that's interesting, by the way, if you read, one of the things that kind of confused me was um, in First and Second Chronicles 14 and 17, you know what I found? It says in those, in those chapters, it says that Asa and Jehoshaphat, it says that they actually removed the high places. And then I read over in Kings, and it says, they did not remove the high places. And I remember thinking, well, pick. Which one did they do? And, uh, and I read, a, co and I read a, a commentator, and he said as simple as this. He said, you know what is likely is that they're both, pro both chapters are right. You know what probably happened? The beginning of their reign, they took them away. And over time, someone built one, and they said, you know what? Whatever. Do you do that with something in your life that God hates? That it was, it was a big deal to you, that it was, that you got such and such out of your life, that it was expunged from your life and you lived a godly life. Then it sort of crept back in. You just said, well, whatever. Folks, the high places need to come down. How about King Joash? The Bible tells us in, in uh, 2 Kings, in 2 Kings chapter 12, it says, Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days wherein Jehoiada, the priest instructed him, but the high places were not taken away. And the people still sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. How sad could this possibly be? Amaziah, the son of Joash, was sa it was said that Amaziah, 2 Kings 14, Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Howbeit, the high places were not taken away. As yet, the people did sacrifice and burnt incense on the high places. Same thing again. Azariah, the, the, the son of Amaziah, grandson of Joash, Azariah, it was said of him, 16 years old, a teenager was Azariah when he began to reign. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that his father Amaziah had done, save that. What do you think? The high places were not removed and the people sacrificed and burnt incense still in the high places. And by the way, Amaziah reigned when Hosea, Joel, and Amos were preaching and prophesying. Do you think those guys probably said something about, uh, excuse me, king, can we talk about your high places? But 
He continued on. Azariah continued on, left him standing. Why? We aren't really told why. Jotham, the son of Azariah, says Jotham, 2 Kings 15. Jotham did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. How be it? The high places were not removed, and the people sacrificed and burned incense still in the high place. Same old story. Jotham, the Bible just tells us great things that Jotham did for his, uh, for his nation, but he wouldn't remove the high places. Okay, then we come to Hezekiah. Check this out. 2 Kings 18 verse 4 says, And Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that David his father did, listen, he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves, the Asherah poles. So I finally said, oh, well, thank goodness. Finally, we have a king who's actually doing what God asked all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Folks, do you know something? As I read through the scriptures, this was really, really sad. Do you know what Hezekiah did? Was he destroyed all the high places but one? Say, how do you know that? Oh, this was fascinating. I found out, we're going to look at this, spoiler alert, okay? Later on, uh, in a, I told you there's one king who's going to destroy, uh, who's actually going to obey God and destroy the high places, Josiah. He's coming up in just a little bit. Just one, it says that when Josiah actually got rid of the high places, it, and Josiah reigned after Hezekiah, it says that Josiah got rid of a high place that had been built by Solomon, which meant this, that thing was up while Hezekiah was reigning. You say, well, maybe Hezekiah didn't know that it was there. Do you know where this high place was? It was located right outside the walls of the city. Why was it left up? I don't know. You know, maybe it was, it was for historical significance. Guess what? Historical significance doesn't matter when God wants his word obeyed. Who knows why Hezekiah left it up? So he, I mean, how sad. He removed every one of them but one. Is that how you handle the things that God says he hates? Well, I'll forgive every person who's hurt me except for this one. Well, I'll ditch every single uh, one of these things out of my life except for this one. That's what Hezekiah did. Look at Manasseh. Manasseh is not considered a godly king. In fact, if you read about him, it was almost like, I feel like sometimes Manasseh took a Bible class to find out all the things that displeased God so he could make a list of what he was going to do with his life. I mean, Manasseh, he was just an ungodly man. The son of Hezekiah did all kinds of vile things. It says that he rebuilt the high places, re-erected the, uh, the ashram poles. He worshipped the celestial bodies. He put pagan shrines in the temple. He offered his children as sacrifices. He practiced sorcery divination, witchcraft. He consulted mediums and spiritists to talk to the dead. He shed innocent blood. And there were, God allowed a battle to happen where Manasseh um, was captured. And the Bible says that he was humbled greatly before God. And you know what the Bible tells us is that Manasseh repented of years and years of sin. And the Bible says in um, in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 33, it says Manasseh rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, took away the idols, took away the idolatrous altars after he'd repented, repaired the altar of God, and restored sacrifices to God, and commanded Judah to obey the Lord. Now that sounds like a good repentance until you get to verse 17, where it says, nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places. What? Why? You know, I don't know. Maybe it was because it was a culturally acceptable thing. To at least let the high places stick around. Folks, if something is culturally acceptable, but God says he hates it, it has no place in our lives. It has no place. He repented of all these things. Big things. 
things. Yet he held on to something that God says he hated. All these good kings, but they just wouldn't break down the high places. Some did, like Hezekiah, he broke down most of them. Some of them, like Asa and Jehoshaphat, they broke them down for a time, and then they allowed them to come and build back up. Can I ask you again, what do you have in your life that God says he hates? Would God look at you and say, oh, you know, there's a, there's a godly man. There's a godly woman. They love the Lord, except for... Except for... Uh, they are very bitter and angry at someone who's hurt them. Because I wouldn't be surprised if every person in this room has been hurt by someone else. And you, maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know what, Matt? I do a whole lot for God. I serve him a whole lot. Listen, you could just leave me alone about, about whether or not I'm angry at people tonight or not. Listen, folks, God wants your high place down. Maybe someone would say, oh, you know, he's a good Christian man. She's a good Christian woman. Yet, um, except for he, she won't forgive. Maybe someone would say, well, that's a, that's a good Christian man. That's a good Christian woman. It's just except for a... Boy, have you ever listened to the music that goes on in his truck? Say, well, Matt, just leave the music alone in my truck. Listen, if it doesn't please God, God wants that high place down too. Yes, he does. Because God is not impressed if you do all these other things for God, but you still worship at the high place. God is not impressed. Maybe someone would say, oh, that's a good Christian girl. That's a good Christian guy. And yet, except for, there is just straight up perverted things that come across the screen on your phone. Friends, God is not impressed and he wants the high place down too. Maybe someone would say, that's a good Christian man, that's a good Christian woman. Except for, boy, the stuff that's allowed on their TV and the filth that is allowed free reign in the living room of their home. Say, well, you, you, leave, you leave my TV shows alone. Friends, if, it, if God hates it, bring the high place down. If God hates it, we should bring the high place down. Maybe someone would say, oh, well, you know, you know, he's a good Christian man, but boy, he just always complains at work. He just is always sour and grumpy, never smiles, just complains about anything that goes wrong, snaps at people. And listen, God's not impressed. You say, well, I give a lot of money at church. God's not impressed. He's not. He says he wants the high place down too. Maybe uh, someone would say, oh, that's a good Christian man, good Christian woman. Except for, boy, <laughs> you neglect Bible reading and prayer. Say, so, well, I'm, I'm faithful in church. Glad you're faithful in church. God also was thankful for all the things that Asa, Jehoshaphat, Joash, Azariah, Jotham, Hezekiah, all, Manasseh. God was thankful for all the godly things that they did. But he said, I still want the high places down. Does the Bible get neglected? Does prayer time get neglected in your life? God says, why don't you go ahead and bring the high place down too? Maybe someone say, oh, he's a good Christian man. She's a good Christian woman. Except for, good night. He is just harsh to his spouse. You know, she's a good Christian woman, but she is just a terror at home when there's no guests around. 
You say, well, I do, I, I do so much for God. God's not impressed. If the high place is not going to come down, God's not impressed. So, would God say this about you? He's a good Christian man. She's a good Christian woman. Except for, can I tell you something, church? God wants the except fors dealt with. He wants the high places brought down. So I want you to see finally tonight, number three, I want you to see the removal of the high places. We saw the rise, the rain, finally the removal of the high places. Notice, as I said, there was one king that brought down all the high places. His name was Josiah. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 34, it says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And in the 12th year of his reign, when he was 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from what? It says from the high places and the groves, those Asherah poles and the carved images. And I'm going to tell you what, Josiah, 20 years old, went on a rampage getting rid of anything that God had said he hated. Boy, if you read through 2 Chronicles 34 and 2 Kings chapter 23, read about what the, about the, the waste that Josiah laid to the, to, uh, to the countryside wherever he found these, uh, these, um, uh, these high places. He says that after he would go in, when he would find these high places, the Bible says that he would take them, come into these high places as he was not, before he would knock down the, um, the altars, he would grab the priest, the Bible says that he would take them, kill them, flop their bodies on top of their own uh, on top of their own altars and burn their bodies on that altar. So that way it was desecrated so that no one in their right mind would ever want to come back to a cursed place like that. He, the Bible says that he took the, the vessels, he burned the vessels and the groves that were set up for Baal. He deposed of all the priests that were dedicated to these false gods. There was someone who had set up an Asherah pole in the temple. Josiah went into the temple and he burned the Asherah pole. It says he stomped it into powder and sprinkled it over the graves so that no one in their right mind would ever want to even go find a souvenir because it, was, it had been completely destroyed and put in a place where you would never want to go. It says there was, again, there was a, uh, that the homosexuals, the Bible says specifically that they had set up basically a commune in Judah where they would gather and they would just commit all kinds of sin against God. And the Bible says that this was the safe house where the women would weave decorations for the Asherah poles. And Josiah went into these houses, he destroyed them and completely desecrated them and ruined them. The Bible says he just desecrated the Topheth, which is where the worshippers of Molech burned their children as sacrifices. And it says he destroyed them and desecrated it so that no one would want to go there again. He found places where they were worshipping the sun. They used chariots and horses for that. He took away the horses and burned the chariots that they used to worship the sun. He found multiple altars by the brook Kidron. He beat them down until they were dust and threw their dust into to the brook Kidron. It says he found that, one, remember that one high place that Solomon had built that Hezekiah had not destroyed? He cut that thing down and destroyed it. Anywhere where he found images, he cut down groves. It says that some places he would take the ground, he would dig up other people's dead bones and sow them into the ground so that people would, th would believe the place was cursed so that they would never come back. Listen, Josiah went on such a rampage that he took together a crew of men and he crossed the border into the northern kingdom of Israel. You know why? Not to take land, but he went up into the northern section of Israel, marched straight across that land, and pulled down their high places too. Because there had been a prophecy. Do you remember, the, if you remember your Bible, there had been a prophet. When those high places first went up, 
When Jeroboam brought him up, there was a prophet who said that there was going to come a king, that there was going to come a man who was going to bring these things down. And Josiah fulfilled that prophecy. Went into the northern kingdom, not to take land, but to please God and brought down every last trace of these high places anywhere that they were found. And the Bible says that Josiah then, after destroying the, the high places up in the northern kingdom, he returned to Jerusalem. And the Bible says that Josiah held the greatest Passover because actually it was the first time that people came from the northern kingdom, uh, actually came down because they had built these high places so that, uh, so that no one from the northern kingdom would you know, want to go down to the temple in Jerusalem in the southern kingdom. And But for the first time, people from the northern kingdom of Israel came down to Jerusalem and people from the southern kingdom gathered at Jerusalem for the Passover. And the Bible says that Josiah led a Passover like had never been seen, the Bible says, since the days of Joshua. Whoa, I don't know about you, but I hear that and I just think that's radical. It was Josiah went to wherever these things were, wherever these high places had been created, wherever he could find them. He, he went to where they are. He discovered them. He crushed them. He threw them into the fire. He threw them into the river. He desecrated every last stronghold wherever they were found. He upset them. He attacked them. He annihilated them. He did not give them rest and he did not give them quarter, but he went after them. It was all out warfare where he set his sights on the high places and said you will die he wrecked the high places he burned the priests on their own altars and he shattered these high places until there was nothing left so if you were to go there the next day there was nothing to see but heaps of dust ashes carnage and wreckage whoa do you know something we hear that and we think wow what a guy do you know that that was actually the minimum that God asked for? Did you forget about Deuteronomy 12.3? What did God ask for? He said, when you go into the land of Canaan, what do you say? Overthrow their altars. Break their pillars. Burn their Asherah poles. Hew down the graven images. Until you destroy the names of them out of that place. There was no other way to deal with something that God hates. And the Bible says in 2 Kings 23, 25, it says, And like unto Josiah, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him because he was willing to deal with the high places radically. He was willing to deal with them thoroughly. And can I tell you something? Do you know what king saw real revival in his land? It was Josiah. The one who said, we're getting rid of the things that God says he hates that everybody else tolerates. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past. There may be some Christian even in this room that you're thinking, oh, but uh, so-and-so or so-and-so, they tolerate such and such sin. Why does that mean, why does that give you reason to do it? As you know, you know when God sent revival, it was when one of his men, when his king was willing to wreck the high places with a violence. Can I tell you something? Revival will not come on God's people when the believers are still holding on to high places. We pray. We ask God for revival. We want God to save souls. We want God to stir us and to move among us and do great things among us. And we want him to do it while we still keep our high places. How arrogant do we have to be? 
How, how foolish do we uh, think that we have to be? So many of Judah's people and kings apostatized, they left God. And by the way, can I just say this? Of the men who, as I said, some, some, uh, some uh, rebuilt the high places. The bad kings rebuilt them. Some of the kings retained the high places, such as uh, ones, like, uh, you know, ones like Jotham and Azariah and Joash and such. Do you know what ended up happening? I wonder if sometimes those kings thought, um, you know, hey, you know the high places are up, but you know, as long as I'm king, as long as I'm in charge, I can kind of keep control of what's going on. You know what always happened after these kings that would just kind of tolerate the high places and just kind of ma- sort of manage them and maybe manage the chaos and the, and the damage that was there? The next generation was lost. The next generation would grow up not loving God. You know, us adults, we want God. We want God to leave us alone about our high places. You know what's going to happen if we don't if we don't break down the high places in our lives? We are going to run off the next generation. You know why the next generation may not want God? It may not be because oh, they're just you know, they're just such rebels. It might be because they see us and our examples that we talk about. We love God, and we are going to have our high places too. Right. Folks, we're going to get rid of the high places or no? Listen. It's we we could we could pray about what's going you know family night and hopefully a lot of unsaved people coming on Friday night we could pray that God will bless Elmira Baptist Church we pray for God to do you know incredible things in our lives folks if we want God to bless it's got to start with us being willing to come clean about the high places what do you have in your life that God says He hates you willing to break down the high places then do it. Will you commit to God tonight that you will? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's be real simple here tonight. How many of you would say, Matt, tonight God showed me a high place, something that God says he hates that is in my life. It should not be there with God's help. I need to root this thing out of my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? How many of you would say, God, show me something? Yes or yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. Put them down all over, really all over the room. Okay. Listen, you know what it is. Okay. So I don't need to really be talking anymore. You know what it is. So would you take your time right now and would you talk with the Lord? Pray with God. Ask him to forgive you for insisting on having this high place in your life, whatever this thing is that God says he hates, ask his forgiveness and then ask his help to bring it down. To expunge it from your life. To not just kind of scoot it to the side, okay, that's a little bit better now, but so that it will be gone. Some of you may need to um, pray with your spouse. Maybe it's the two of you together have got to say, listen, I don't know. Music's got to change in our home. The movie's got to change in our home. The attitude's got to change in our home. My, our complaining's got to change in our home. Our yelling at each other's got to change in our home. Let's pray that God will start changing something. Why don't you take this time? Uh, why don't you take this time to pray, Miss Dean? If you don't mind, just um, playing the song of your choice. Whatever you have there will be fine. And as she plays, why don't you take time to pray? If you need to pray with someone next to you, go ahead and do that. You want to pray with your pastor? Maybe this high place is really dug in deep. You want to come to the front row and just tap him and the two of you could sit on the front row and pray if you want to do that. But just take this time now. I'm going to go quiet. You talk with the Lord. You want to talk with your pastor? Do that. 
folks, let's clean out the things that God says he hates. <laughs>